0: Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. What is up, buddy? Welcome to Drop Pass Podcast. I'm pretty sure that you are here because of our newest guest. And exactly because of that, I'm going to keep things short and sweet just so that we can get right into our this week's interview with another brilliant guest. Before that, though, I want to remind you that last week I covered the entire NHL trade deadline. So if you missed that episode, make sure you check it out. And just a couple of weeks prior, we had Canadian defenseman Alex Cotton on the show as well. So if you are down for some binge listening, those two episodes are certainly the ones that you should check out if you've happened to miss them. Otherwise, I don't have much else to say so i would kindly ask you to rate the podcast on spotify in order to show your support for the show and if you happen to stop by every now and then why not press the follow button because after all you made your way here once again thank you for your support and now let's kick off the intro and get our next guest on the sound waves so without further ado let's get go. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NBA. This week new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no sweat same game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app today opt in and place a same game parlay on any NBA game and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. So go download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. I have to tell you that a couple weeks ago, I went big game hunting and have the privilege to tell you that we got another big one. We officially have our first US born guest in the bag and no less than a former second round pick by the Florida Panthers. But he was the first name called on the second day, so in this case, we might as well count that as a first rounder. This distinguished gentleman came through the prestigious Shadok St. Mary School, worked his way through the USHL with the Waterloo Blackhawks, and ended up spending his last junior years in one of the most well-known hockey programs in the United States, the Boston College. In 2014, he ended up hoisting the Lamariello Trophy as the Hockey East Champion and during his last year in BC, he was also nominated to Division's All-Star Team. The next year, Pro Hockey called as he signed his first NHL contract with the Panthers and made his NHL debut on April 6, 2016, where he also registered his first NHL point. Not a big deal. The following three years he represented the cats organization until chicago claimed him via trade in 2019 and since then represented ahl's rockford ice hogs iowa wild and most recently the vegas farm system henderson silver knights last summer though it was time to change time zones for real and he ended up signing one year deal with borin asset where he's become their highest-scoring defenseman with 23 points total from 53 games. In total, this mountain of a man has racked up 60 NHL, 244 AHL, and 110 NCAA games, and thus is one of the more seasoned phases of this show to date. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce our next guest to the show, all the way from Hudson, Wisconsin, number three. Ian McCaushin. How are you doing, buddy?
1: I'm doing good, Yanni. How are you?
0: I'm good. Thanks for coming on. How have you settled to European lifestyle?
1: It's been great. Um, I came over to Finland later in August. Um, I didn't sign my contract until the first or second week of August because I wasn't sure what the North American landscape had in store for me if I was going to go back on an NHL contract or if I was going to get a NHL two-way contract and I was kind of tired of waiting and uh, just being six years pro in North America, kind of seen and, and done everything that I thought I could at that point and the opportunity of making the NHL was more of a distant reality at that point. So team in Finland reached out, Corey, and then the team in the Czech League reached out and the decision was actually pretty hard, but I knew a couple of players that were from Pori and or played in Pori and they said really good things about it. So it made the decision really easy.
0: Okay. What were the first differences that really stood out to you?
1: Uh, the time zone, the language, uh, just the culture too. Just being, being from North America, obviously Minnesota is probably the most similar to Finland, but. It's still a, it's still a cultural difference in terms of how people interact with each other and even the driving the rules and regulations of driving and little things like the grocery store are a little bit different. So just, uh, it took me probably two or three weeks to really fully adjust to, uh, the European lifestyle.
0: Well, you guys have six North Americans on the team now that Cody Porter was acquired to your crease. So has that helped the transition?
1: It's been great. Um, Yeah, I I couldn't imagine coming to a place in Europe for the first year and not having at least six or seven North American speaking or English speaking guys that helped the transition really well. And we had one player that was here last year, Eric Barash. So he was kind of like our liaison in a way, just showing us where to go eat where to go get groceries and stuff like that, help set up our bank accounts, just little things that kind of add up and we don't really think about. But without him, it was probably a harder transition for sure.
0: Well, first, I want to introduce you to our fans as a player before we move to more in-depth details with your career. And since I wandered upon a funny description of you, which states "Defensive defenseman with limited offensive upside better player for real life than fantasy hockey. So does that description hold truth or how would you describe your game yourself?
1: I don't think that's a fair description. Maybe that was my playing style in North America. That's maybe what they wanted me to be or play as. Uh, as you know, I'm a, I'm a taller defenseman and um, a bigger body. So they probably thought of me as just a, a physical guy with great defensive structure. I've always had a really good defensive aspect to my game, uh, defending always came easy, but I knew I had more to my game than what some people believed. So, just getting an opportunity to showcase those talents was obviously something that I wanted to do as well. So I think the European route definitely helped with that aspect.
0: Well, that's good to hear. You also scrapped quite a few times in your career, so could it be said that if the situation demands it, you are down to throw some haymakers as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not, I'm not afraid of, uh, afraid of fighting and obviously in North America it might happen a little more than in the European, European teams, but there's been a few opportunities this year, but, um, it didn't work out whether it was, there was a game in the IFK, hit a player and then I actually tried to fight first game in IFK, but I grabbed the wrong player, I guess. And then their tough guy tried to come after me the rest of the game, but we only had six defensemen. So I wasn't able to, to do that. The coach told me not to do it. I think he actually went to, he plays in Carpet now. So we're done playing them. And I think that's it for me. Okay.
0: Then I would like to jump to the actual beginning of your hockey career since it has become a custom to ask our guests about their roots. So what led you to hockey and has it always been the number one choice for you?
1: Yeah. So a little background, my dad, my dad and his family, he grew up in a household of eight siblings. Uh, and all the, all the boys played hockey up until high school and they would go and play outdoor hockey like they do in Finland where they play street hockey. So they're always active and, wanting to play the game Didn't pursue a, a career in college or professional. Actually the question I need mean, to I ask him why I didn't do that. But, um, nonetheless, when I was really young, I was just drawn to the game for some reason I can't speak on why, but, uh, since I was three years old, it was something that I always wanted to do. I always wanted to play hockey. It was the only sport that I truly had a passion for. I, I played football. American football, sorry, uh, soccer, baseball, lacrosse in high school, but um, I didn't have the same didn't have the same passion for uh, those other sports as I did with hockey.
0: Okay, what was the first team that you rooted for as a kid?
1: The Detroit Red Wings, actually. So in the late nineties, late late nineteen nineties and early two thousands, they were the team to beat. They had Hall of Fame players: Nick that Zetterberg. Got to Holmstrom, just they were a consistent playoff team and Stanley Cup favorites every year. And up until 2009, they were, yeah, they were by far my favorite team, even though I went to the majority of the Minnesota Wild home games as a kid. uh, I went to their first home game in 2000 when they played Philadelphia, and I just remember the atmosphere in the crowd. It was something that I wanted to aspire to do. Uh, I remember telling, I think, my uncle, or my dad at the time, I think it was 2004, 2005, when they had the lockout, it was that following season. I was like, I'll, I'll play a hockey game for a hundred dollars a game. Like, I, I don't need that much money. And he kind of smiled and uh, smirked at me and was like, yeah, I think they make a little bit more money than that. So it was like a, a child naiveness to really know how much hockey players made at the time, but. I didn't care. I just wanted to, to be one of those guys on the ice.
0: Well, when I first glanced at your hockey stats, I couldn't help, but notice that your top point getter in Shattuck Taylor Camarada, had 170 points in 58 games, including 92 Geno. So I got to ask what was that circus like?
1: It was crazy. Uh, that was probably the most fun year of hockey I've had ever. Um, so Taylor, Taylor and I actually played together two seasons before that. We played for a travel hockey team out of Wisconsin. We were called the Wisconsin Fire. So you had to have a certain amount of players from Wisconsin to only to be considered a Wisconsin team because the state of Minnesota wouldn't allow travel hockey teams at the time because they were really pushing for uh, high school hockey and the development system of just playing for your local local city and stuff like that so we would we would go around to chicago detroit toronto and play teams from all over the country and kind of get exposed to the competitiveness and the high skilled players at your age group so playing with taylor at shattuck it was almost second nature because we already had the the familiarity with each other but hockey was just super easy you pass the puck to him or There was also a really good other player called Nathan McKinnon that played there as well. So, um, yeah, they made, they made hockey really easy for a defenseman like me.
0: Yeah. I was just about to mention that there was also a guy named Nathan McKinnon in the squad as well. So I might as well ask, how was he like back then?
1: He was a child prodigy. Um, so we were 14 years old at the time and he already had like the, the structure of like a man's body, he was super fit. He was super jacked in terms of like muscular build. Didn't look like a typical fourteen-year-old, and he just had the drive and the passion to be like the best player. I think he missed out on ten games or something because he went back to Nova Scotia for like Canada games or something. So he would have been up there with Taylor for points probably, but he uh, he had to go home for like I said like ten games that we had during that season. I think there were, I can't even remember how many points there were between them, maybe like 40 or 30 points, but yeah, they scored four or five a night and we were lucky to get two or three just based off of second assist. So it was, (laughs) hockey was really fun then.
0: Yeah. I can only imagine. Well, then next year you moved to the USHL and suited up for the Waterloo Blackhawks. What was the transition like? To a tougher competition for you?
1: It was really tough. You're going from U14 to an under 20 league, you know, with an unlimited amount of 20 year olds. So, in terms of like maturity, my body was ready for it. But I think I had to practice that first month and a half before I even played my first game. I don't think I played until November. And when I got in, it was super exciting. Something that you always dream of is playing at the top levels and playing against the best players. And I kind of I embraced that opportunity a lot. I think I played pretty sound and just use that adrenaline adrenaline as a fifteen year old kid to uh, to play your best.
0: And correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys played also against the USNTDP squad.
1: Yeah, correct. Yeah, they played in the same league. Yeah, the under seventeen and under eighteen team both played in that league.
0: Was that ever an option for you?
1: Yeah, it was. Um, so, being 15, that following or that spring of my first year in the USHL with Waterloo, they had the tryouts for the under 17 team, and I got asked to go to. It's called the uh, Select 40 camp, but the coach, <laughs> the coach in Waterloo at the time, didn't think that was the best opportunity or fit for me. So. In the end, it worked out, but um, I didn't end up attending that U.S. national team tryout because I already had a really good situation in Waterloo. I was playing a lot and it works out for, let's say, like four out of eight defensemen that go there. And just the the math probability, I had a better situation in Waterloo and I didn't think that I needed to go to the, the national team.
0: Okay. But you were also drafted to the ohl in 2011 so did you ever consider that possibility or where you said for the collegiate career right from the get-go
1: uh to be honest i i didn't really think about the ohl as a as a real opportunity i think i was drafted to saginaw so a team in the us but i didn't really think of it as a as a viable option for myself. And even at the time, I wasn't really thinking about playing college hockey. I was more or less just wanting to play where I was and just enjoying that.
0: Well, you spent the next few years there, took part in the Top Prospects games two years in a row, got nominated in the first All-Star team during your last year and served as a captain. So what kind of memories do you have from those days?
1: I have great memories. Just from my first year, playing with uh, some good older players at the time. Um, Played with Jacob McDonald, who's playing with San Jose now. And then that following season, we were a little bit better. We had a a good core of older guys. It was my second season, so a little more familiar with the league and being more comfortable and confident. Uh, Taylor Camarada was there. That was his first year. He was, I think, the rookie of the year. He put up like 60 points. So having a good core of younger guys come in was really helpful too. And we made the finals that year, which was awesome. We were an underdog. Yeah, I think we were the last seed to make it into the playoffs, and we made it all the way to the finals. So no one really believed in us or gave us a chance to win, and we went all the way to Game 5 with the best team in USHL history. So that was pretty cool. And then that following season, we were uh, we were the favorites to win the whole thing. Uh, it didn't work out the way we wanted to, but still had a really good, talented team. Uh, we had the top three point producers in the league. Uh, it was the second highest scoring defenseman, I think, that year. We went over to Russia for a preseason tournament. It was in Omsk, Russia. So... The memory that I'll always remember was three weeks in August. We went went over to Russia, and uh, we had a really good time. We took second place. We lost to uh, the Sudbury Wolves, an OHL team. I think it was tight. It was like two two to one, or something like that. But yeah, overall, I I really enjoyed and cherished my time in Waterloo. It gave me a great opportunity to set myself up for success in the draft and to pick the school that I wanted to go to. I didn't end up deciding where I wanted to school until that third year. Uh, I didn't feel the need or the rush to commit to a college like at 15 years old, like some kids in the US do now. I just thought it it wasn't right for me to make a decision at 15 because teams and coaching staff, like they change every two to three years and whatever else, but at the time, Boston College was winning the national championship every two years. So I thought I had a good opportunity to do that. And um, that was probably the best decision I have ever made.
0: Well, you already mentioned your coach in the previous sentence, but I also heard that he was pretty merited, but old school at the same time. So first of all, does that hold truth? And if so, could you describe the character of this said gentleman?
1: Yeah, the coach, the head coach in in Waterloo was uh, the winningest coach in the USHL. Don't know if that record still holds true or not, but at the time he was, um, he had great contacts and relationships with NHL teams and NHL scouts, uh, USA Hockey. So, but in terms of uh, his coaching style, he was he was honest, fair, but he definitely. He let you know if you made a mistake, and uh, in uh, in a vocal way. Let's just say that. Any Torts vibes? Uh, yeah. Honestly, like very similar. Um, he probably didn't have the media interaction like Torts does <laughs> with uh, those those post game interviews that Tortorella has. Those are some of the best in the league, besides Daryl Sutter. But, yeah, it definitely has a Tortorella vibe, but. That's a guy that you want to play for like guys. I don't know, at least I can speak for myself. I can't speak for everybody. Like I would rather have a coach like that instead of a coach that doesn't really say anything and you having to figure out what he's thinking or just whatever else It allows the player just to play, even though you're going to make mistakes at the game of hockey, but it's the only way you really learn.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well then came the big day as the Panthers selected you 31st overall in the 2013 draft. As you put on the Panthers jersey for the first time, what were your first thoughts and what kind of an experience was that for you as a whole?
1: It was a great experience, not only for myself, but for everyone that helped me get to that point. Uh, My mom and dad were there for me on that memorable day, special day. All the sacrifices that they had throughout my hockey journey. Uh, the coach that we mentioned before he was there, he was very proud for me. And all the all the coaches that I had previous is just a, a testament to their belief in, in me as a person and me as a player to help me succeed. So the player always gets themselves in that opportunity or that position with their play, but I wouldn't be here today without the help of a lot of people. And, that's always true in hockey, as you know.
0: Did you have any expectations before the draft? Like, did you have any idea when you were going to be drafted? And, for example, what teams were on your heels, so to say?
1: At the NHL combine, I had 24 interviews over the course of three days, like mid first round. And then some teams had two picks in the high in the second round, too. So, four at the time had. Second overall pick where they took Barkov, which has been a fantastic pick for them, Sasha. And then I had a really good interview with them. And then I had two or three interviews with Chicago, one at the draft, and then two right before the draft, or sorry, right before the draft, like one or two days before. So I was thinking maybe I would go there for Anaheim. But then they took Shea Theodore, which has been a great pick for. He was a good pick for Anaheim, they gave him to Vegas. And then Ryan Hartman, I think, was the 30th pick that year for Chicago. So two decorated NHL players, and you can't blame those teams for for those picks. But would I say I was disappointed not going in the first round? Of course, I think any kid would in that position would say that they were a little disappointed. But at that time, I was just super happy with being picked, going to Florida. Like the, the, the younger core of players that they were having in their drafts the last two or three years, and then having the opportunity to go play for Coach York at Boston College was more or less something that I was more occupied with than anything.
0: Well, there's that rumor that those interviews include some weird questions. So I have to ask, did you encounter any, or were there any other memorable draft interview moments that you can recall?
1: I can't remember exact questions, but I remember like two or three, two or three awkward interviews. One was with San Jose. One was actually with Florida. Florida had a sports psychologist or like a a sports psychologist. And like, uh, at the time they just had new ownership and the owner was, or has, army background ties. So like he went to West Point University and hired a lot of West Point alumni. And he had one of his uh, like core development, player development guys, which was like all development. He was doing most of the interview process and it kind of felt like a military, uh, <laughs> a military interview. He was asking me a lot of critical questions at 17 years old that I didn't know how to answer. And I think the last one was St. Louis it was just so intimidating. All of the, all the staff at the time was over like six foot six tall and just very soft-spoken guys. And they wouldn't really elaborate on any of their questions. So I was just sitting in the, in the room kind of just sweating it out. Like what are these guys actually thinking and whatever else there's, I don't know if they're, I think that's their intention, right? Is to like try and make you feel as uncomfortable as possible just to see how you will react in that situation so is it fair for a 17 year old to go through that i'm not entirely sure but that's just how it is
0: then you made the commitment to boston college and ended up spending three years there did you have many schools interested and how did you eventually end up in bc
1: yeah um being from the wisconsin minnesota area i was Recruited heavily by Wisconsin, Minnesota, Minnesota Duluth, North Dakota, Ohio State, and then uh, going into my senior year, University of Michigan got involved. University of Notre Dame got involved, and then Boston College as well. And then uh, I went to the All American Prospects Game and played with Steven Santini, and he was asking me like, "Why haven't you committed anywhere?" and stuff like that and i was like i don't feel any pressure to to go to any school quite yet but after that weekend playing with him and seeing his dedication and and talking to a few other guys that were committed to boston college at the time uh ryan fitzgerald who won the mvp of that game and scott savage who was the defenseman played on the i think the other team he was on the national program but seeing the, the caliber of players that they had going in there I think that just made the most sense to me. And like I said before, just Boston College was winning the national championship every two years at that time. So it just seemed like a great fit.
0: Yeah. Well, some could say that you entered the BC program at the perfect time because you got the witness close by the dominance of Johnny Hockey alongside his partner in crime, Kevin Hayes. So how was it like to watch those guys rip the league apart?
1: It was great. Uh, Johnny had two points per game that season and Kevin had a breakout season for himself. Uh, Kevin was a first round pick to Chicago and uh, he didn't have the best first three years, um, injuries, whatever else, wasn't playing a lot, but playing with Johnny and just establishing how good they can play on a consistent basis, I think set them up for uh, career success going forward. But it made hockey really easy, he passed to those guys on. The left or the right side on the power play and you hope you just get a, a second assist.
0: Was Hazy as hilarious as he's right now? Because I've seen quite a few of his appearances on Speeding chicklets and I gotta say that at least I've enjoyed his presence there.
1: Yeah, he was, uh, he was the exact same, just a light-hearted, uh, caring guy. to uh, like to joke around and um, just make guys feel comfortable in the locker room. Not really a prankster per se, just uh, just overall really funny guy. So seeing Kevin now just kind of reminds me of the same Kevin that was in in school. So it, it makes sense why he's such a, a fan favorite for that aspect. He's very charismatic and uh, charming in that way.
0: Well, that year you ended up winning the hockey's Championship and made it to the Frozen Four, but one loss in the first round and two grueling losses in the semifinals were the final outcomes. But as a whole, how would you package your whole NCAA journey?
1: Overall, it was fantastic. Um, but I think we underachieved on on two of the seasons that I was there. Definitely my first year and my third year at Boston College. We had the teams to win, win it all. But uh, yeah, we just couldn't make it through semifinal games. We lost to Union. We ended up winning it with Shane Gothispear. And then my third year, we lost to Quinnipiac, who lost in the finals. But overall, it was a great experience and uh, played against some of the, the top players in the U.S. at the time and playing with some of the best players that are in the NHL now. So just set myself up for success and just trying to learn from those guys every day is more or less what I wanted to do. You also got to play
0: alongside Thatcher Demko, Mike Matheson, Alex Tuck, Zach Sanford, Steven Santini, Noah Hannipin, Colin White, Miles Wood, Casey and Ryan Fitzgerald in BC, and the list goes on. So what was it like to play in that kind of a group?
1: It was great. I uh, also got to mention Patrick Brown. So, uh, yep. He's had a pretty good career, NHL career. Um, same story with Patrick. He wasn't... Uh, a highly touted recruit or didn't play his first three years that much, but had a great senior year and they just kind of worked his way to being a, a good AHL player, won the AHL championship with Charlotte and then established himself as a, as a fourth line, fourth or third line centerman in the NHL. And it's just the epitome of the BC culture. I think at the time was uh, even though you're surrounded by some of the best players in North America, we always wanted to be the best players on the ice. So having to compete against those guys all the time was, uh, aspiring and also difficult at the same time, you wouldn't win all those battles, but just knowing that you're playing against some of the best players in the league in the world at the time was, uh, just the, the best opportunity to set yourself up for success, uh, in your pro career. Yeah. That's a pretty good list of, uh, of players.
0: <laughs> yeah, I had to leave some of the guys out. Like you mentioned, Patrick Brown was one of them. But was there like a clear sense that at least some of those guys were going to be studs on the next level as well?
1: You can just tell by the way that they played in games, like how how creative and how skilled they were. The way that they thought the game was just so different than other teams that we played. Like We played a structured game that still allowed for all those super skilled guys to like flourish or like do really well, you know, like the system is more or less the, the idea of how the team should play. But Jerry was very, very mindful of allowing those players to still be themselves and be offensive and take chances. So I think that's a credit to the coaching staff as well to allow those good players to really be their best at a consistent level.
0: Yeah. Not to, like, mush them into one bunch. Exactly. Well, one of my previous guests, goalie Conor LeCouve, who actually played for the BU and against you guys between the 2014 and 2016, described the Boston atmosphere as vibrant. Can you unite with that statement? And how did you feel about the Green Line rivalry yourself?
1: Yeah, playing against uh, Boston University was our biggest rival. Um, those were some of the easiest games to play as a player just getting that excitement that energy for for those games was super easy just based off of the rivalry the history and uh overall the atmosphere like if we played at boston university which was only i think i'll say it in kilometers maybe like six to seven kilometers away and then we always played each other at the the bean pot too which is a uh, all Boston school tournament in February. So we would play them too. Um, My first year, we did really well against Boston University. Second year, they had Jack Eichel. So it made things a little bit challenging. Uh, They beat us, I think, yeah, every time that we played them. And then that third season, it was a lot tighter, but I think we got the best of Boston University that year and we beat. We beat Boston University in the Beanpot Championship my third year. Alex Tuck scored the overtime winner, one nothing, at TD Garden. Seventeen thousand people cheering us on. So that's definitely a memory I always remember too. Was was that game?
0: You also had the privilege to represent your country in the U20 World Championships in 2014 and 2015. And we're part of one of the most stacked U.S. teams that we've ever seen featuring names like Matthews, Larkin, Wierenski, D'Angelo, Schmaltz, Carlo, Milano, and Confer, among many others, once again. So what those experiences gave you personally?
1: It was great just to just to know that you, that you are in that uh, select group of, let's say, 20 to 25 players in the U.S., that you're the best at your age group. So knowing that was obviously a huge accomplishment. And then just being able to represent your country and trying to play the best that you could was, was something that I took a lot of pride in. The teams that we had were, were super stacked. That first year, we had Connor Carrick, Brady Shea, Jacob Slavin, Pesci, uh, Stefan Matteau, Riley Barber, Andrew Kopp. Hudson Fashing, Jack Eichel. I think he was an under Jack was an underage. He was playing for the national team that year. Vinny Hinnestroza. and I'm sure I'm missing a few other guys too, but very star studded. And then the next year, like you mentioned, by far one of the best teams that the U S has ever assembled, but we, uh, we came up short that year in, in Montreal. Um, we got stacked up against a Russian team that year that, uh, that kind of gave some trouble and they scored two or three in the power play and just gave our world championship hopes or sorry, world junior hopes, um, cut us short.
0: Well, I was just about to ask you, did you ever look, or do you ever look back at those teams and be like, man, I was part of a pretty good teams.
1: It's definitely something that you reflect on now being a player still playing, but like looking back and taking the time to look back and reflect and like i said just knowing that you were a part of a team like that how hard it is to be a part of a team like that but you also wish that the teams that you were on went a little farther or at least got a medal for for the country respectively but yeah just knowing how how difficult it is to really make that team is is kind of a testament to how good the players are in the US and and how tight it is just to make a team like that
0: yeah Then you made the jump to pro hockey and got your first taste of NHL action in your first year. What was the feeling like when you stepped onto the ice for the first time? And how would you describe the first year experience? Like, was there a big learning curve or did you settle in quickly?
1: Uh, yeah. So it was at the end of my first season pro. Um, I spent pretty much the whole season with the AHL team that year, which was located in Springfield, Massachusetts. Um, we, were, we had a super young team in, in the AHL. So we weren't accustomed to winning and the culture probably wasn't the greatest that it needed to be at the time. But as young players, we got to play a lot. And as you know, sometimes that might be the only remedy or cure as to figure out the pro games just by playing through experience. So that allowed me to play my first few NHL games. And then just reminiscing on the first NHL game, it's it's honestly it's hard to put into words that that feeling. Um, it's just like everything that you worked for your entire life like came true, and it's it's almost like a euphoric feeling. Like you're so happy, you're so joyful. You really can't believe that you're there, and then your parents are there, your family's there, and you get whatever like a hundred. 200 text messages from every kid that you played with growing up, just being like, can't believe you made it, knew you'd make it. All the coaches that you had growing up, just being like, knew knew I saw something special in you and happy that you were able to achieve this dream. And then going back to like, capitalizing on on the opportunity or just knowing if there was a jump in the NHL. There's definitely a big difference from the AHL to the NHL in terms of just how smart the players are in the NHL. There's not really misstructure or mispasses or whatever else, guys are always in the right spot. They're super good defensively. So everything has to be 100% your best every single shift. And when someone tells you that there's an easy game in the NHL, it's just not true at all. It looks really easy on TV, but when you're playing the game, it's super fast. And obviously the systems are, are what they are. But like I mentioned with the, the Boston college things, those skilled players are just on another level. Like it's so hard to defend those guys playing against McDavid, Eichel, Matthews, Crosby, Malkin, Ovi, guys that you watch your your whole life growing up and you're just like, you're pinching yourself in terms of, uh, I'm playing against this guy tonight and it's really cool and surreal.
0: Yeah. I can only imagine. Were there any veterans who took you under their wing and helped you at any point? Uh,
1: playing with uh with Mike Matheson, I think he was he was the most helpful guy for me, just uh since we played two years together at Boston College. He was just super friendly and um helping me along with the, the NHL transition. I think he was a guy that I looked up to the most for that aspect, super dedicated to his craft and always wanted to be the best. And the NHL is, is very competitive and it's the best league in the world. So maybe not everyone was, was super welcoming to the idea of helping a younger kid. But I think Mike was definitely the the most helpful for me with my time in Florida.
0: And like I said, you scored your first goal against the St. Louis Blues, which was an absolute race rocket. Do you remember who you scored on and what emotions went through your body when you saw the buck going in? Cause you seemed at least fairly ecstatic at that moment
1: by the clip. It was, uh, it was Jake Allen in Florida. I joined the rush on a four on two situation. I was the fourth man up. I shot it far side on his glove and, uh, I kind of blacked out from there. I might have, might be in the, the NHL record books for the worst. Sally for, uh, <laughs> the first goal at there's I was just super excited as as you know when you're when you're shooting pucks as a kid in the summertime or you're in practice or you're out on the outdoor rink you're always imagining what that first goal will feel like and nothing nothing can prepare you for that moment just you're overcome with with emotions and joy and just knowing that you were in a position to score and just being able to play in the league is, is very hard in itself, but not every player that gets to play in the NHL gets a score. So as a defenseman, I think that was, that was an even bigger bonus. And then on top of that, uh, in my first game, I, I got an assist. I was, I was lucky. It was a second assist. I passed it to Vincent Trocek and then Jager and then Jager passed it back to Trocek. So Fun fact is, I have an assist on Jaromir Jagr's last point in the NHL.
0: Okay. Good to know. Well, during your first years, do you remember a specific player that really amazed you or was it more like a collective of those?
1: I would probably have to say Jonathan Huberdeau and Barkov, just because I got to see them so much. got to play with them for that whole season I was with Florida. Uh, my second year pro. Seeing them in practice, it was honestly a nightmare for a defenseman. Cuberto had the patience to outweight you, and you would make sure your feet were in the wrong way, your stick was in the wrong position, then you'd make a pass over to Sasha, and then he'd pass it over to Evgeny Dadnov. at the time. Uh, they were aligned together, so just playing against those guys, it was always difficult and challenging, but it, it brought out the best in at least in myself, because it was a challenge every time that you went up against them. And you're trying to prove that you could play against those best guys in the league.
0: You at some points jumped between the AHL and the NHL quite a bit. So was that challenging for you to not be able to settle in one place at a time?
1: Um, Yeah, as a player, you you definitely want to have some stability with where you're playing and, and whatever else, but. I don't think I was ready for the NHL my second season. I probably should have spent that, that entire season in the AHL, just knowing that I could be really good, sound defensive guy, and then also build on my offensive abilities, which I I believe that I had, but maybe they saw it differently. So if I could go back in time, maybe I spend more time in the AHL that second season and prove that I'm a really good sound player. And then the career path trajectory it could have been different, but it's obviously something that you look at now and it's easier to think about now looking, yeah. looking back at.
0: Obviously. But since I already brought up Kevin Hayes, I also got to ask his partner in Crime Key, if the like as a guy, cause you played with mm-hmm. him in Florida as well. So what kind of guy is it?
1: He's, he's very similar to Kevin. He's super easy going, uh, very funny guy doesn't take himself too seriously and what I mean by that is there's a difference when before like before the games or during practices he was always smiling cracking cracking jokes but before the games he was super serious and dedicated to his game so he had that switch of when it was appropriate to be funny and be the comedian on the team and whatever else make guys laugh but he was still super serious and put up a lot of points along the way so that's why Keith was he had the Ironman streak for I don't know, what was it, maybe a month or two and then Castle and broke it. So it's a testament to Keith and how he prepared for the game. So probably helped his longevity too, just making the game so much fun.
0: Then in twenty nineteen you were traded to Chicago. Did that move come to you as a surprise or were there rumors about it before it actually materialized?
1: So going in, that was going into my fourth season. Um, I was coming off of, I had a surgery that off season. I think it was loin surgery, groin repair surgery, they call it core muscle surgery in the U S and I had a tough summer recovering from that. I was having complications, so I wasn't feeling very good with how I was skating on the ice and able to train. So I went down to Florida early. In August, that off season, just to rehab and train, and still wasn't feeling all that well. And then didn't have the best training camp. Only played one, played one game in that training camp, and kind of knew that something wasn't right in terms of how the management was was viewing me. So, I think my representatives and myself knew that it was best for a fresh start and a new organization. So, I think I spent seven games in the HL that season. At the beginning of the season, got traded for Alexi Sorella, the Finnish guy. And then had uh spent the rest of the season in Rockford, Chicago. Got called up for one game. We were on the road in Colorado. And then we flew home to Chicago a couple days later and got sent down. So didn't even have an opportunity to play.
0: Well, currently, our last two seasons in North America, were spent spending Iowa and Henderson. So what were those experiences like?
1: Iowa was a good situation being close to at least home for me, which is the Minnesota, Wisconsin area, which is only three hours away. The COVID season was uh, cut short, obviously, for the whole world, the pandemic and the reasons that followed for that. Only played 11 games that season. I uh, I tore my labrum in my right shoulder in a fight. So I only got to play 11 games that season. It was cut short. So it was pretty difficult to find a job opportunity the following season just because of the injury and not having enough games that season to be looked at for for a roster at that point. So I think I had to wait until the second week of September before uh, Henderson. And Vegas called me for that opportunity and then going into that, it didn't clear me for training camp, which I was surprised about. I was supposed to be cleared by, I was cleared by my doctor in Minnesota to take part in training camp for both those teams. Um, they could have cut me and I could have been out of a job and whatever else, but they were very nice and uh, forgiving to me in that situation. And they, have me for like a month, month and a half, and came back in time for the first games for Henderson. And I played 60 games on an AHL tryout contract until just after Christmas, I think. So it was like two, two and a half months on a tryout, and then they signed me to an AHL contract for the rest of the season. So at that point, I was uh, I was just happy to still be playing hockey and uh, given an opportunity to play in the second-best league in the world, um, playing with some good players and playing in a great city. It was probably 15 minutes outside of Las Vegas. So no snow like there is in Finland or Minnesota. So (laughs) it made for uh, an easy decision to stay there.
0: Well, then it was time to change the continent. And you already touched upon this aspect before, but what were the, the main factors in deciding to relocate to Finland? Rather than Czech Republic,
1: I really didn't know a lot about either league. To be honest, I knew a little bit more about the Finnish league just based off of playing with um, Finnish players with the Florida Panthers organization. I played with Henrik Borgstrom. I played with uh, Sebastian Repo on Luco, Henrik Hoppola on Ilvis, and then Sasha Barkov. And I'm missing another player too that was Finnish. Hari Sitari was a goalie that played in Springfield. And then I played with Kevin Lankinen in Rockford and Yoni Tulola in Rockford as well. So they always spoke very highly about the Finnish league. And oh I know who I'm missing. Juho Lamiko, the poor the Pori guy. So he uh he lived with me my first year pro and he always talked about it too. So that's my pori connection is through Yuho, But going back to the decision, I think just the structure of the league, a very high reputable league, and then coming to Asset, they weren't doing that well the past two seasons before. And they really wanted to make a push for the playoffs. And that's something that I have wanted to do. I haven't played a lot of pro playoff games. So trying to bring that winning culture back to Pori Asset, I think, was something that I, I took to heart and uh, it's been my season long goal just to help this club and organization get back to that level.
0: Well, you still got a few games left plus the playoffs, but how would you summarize your first year overseas?
1: Been great. Um, didn't really have a ton of expectations, but just because I didn't know exactly how the league was or how to play in the league. It probably took me, It took me all three preseason games. I didn't have any points. And then probably the first four or five games of the regular season just to figure out how to play in the league because it's a little different than playing in North America, just the structure and uh, the trap, the 05, trying to play against that. It took a little bit of adjustment, but I think obviously you as a defenseman, your responsibility is to not let the team score and be really good in your own end. But I've always known that I've had offensive upside and, and potential just with uh, my size and, and stature. Being able to create and, and be offensive is something that I've always challenged myself to do and, and to work on every single offseason. So just getting myself in opportunities to shoot and score is, it's been good to finally get those opportunities here in Pory.
0: Okay. What have been the biggest differences that you have needed adjusting to the most? I would probably imagine like closing gaps and. The neutral zone as a whole has been a challenge
1: yeah uh, the neutral zone for sure and then um, like playing against teams that bring all five guys back has been a little bit difficult too um, the size of the ice hasn't been an issue I find myself to be a pretty good skater in that aspect like no a guy won't beat me wide or with speed or whatever else so it's more or less the the supporting defensive players, making sure that we're in the right spots and, and whatever else. It's more of like, a you got to have a support guy next to you and then one other supporting guy as well. In this league, it's not guys don't get beat one on one per se, unless it's like in the corner of the defensive zone. But other than that, I think that's probably been the, the biggest adjustment for me.
0: Well, then, Looking at the future, is there still something that you would still want to achieve as a hockey player, even beyond this year?
1: Winning a championship is always always the goal, no matter where you're playing. I've always been a very internally motivated player and uh, an emotional player and can be an emotional player. So wanting to win really bad is something that I've always wanted to do. And I've, had, I've been on teams that have been super good, but didn't find ways to to win. But I've also been on teams that were probably middle of the pack, but we made it to the finals. So finding that right balance of team chemistry and, and scoring and goaltending and uh, defensive play is something that, that we're trying to find here in Pori. But overall, just looking forward to, like we said, just... What am I still trying to aspire for? It's, it's still trying to win at any level and any league that I play in. I think as hockey players and competitors, that's all we really, that's why we play. It's not for the money. It's not for the accolades or notoriety, being able to say that you were a champion. I think at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So no difference on the continent.
1: Not at all. It doesn't matter.
0: Okay. Well, then the last question related to your hockey career is going to relate to your relationship with goaltenders, because I heard that you're pretty good friends with both Thatcher Demko and Cal Peterson. So is there this symbolic frequency between defensively responsible D-man and the goaltenders, or is it just something that has evolved through the
1: years? Uh, I lived with, with both of those guys, so that may be why like, I've, I'm a little bit closer with those guys, but in terms of like hockey style and whatever else, just because I'm, I'm a defensive first player. So like I like to be really good around the goalie and just protecting the goalie. I do protect the goalie. Maybe not as much in the finish league because there's no fighting, but I like to play hard and tough in front of the goalies. And I think they always appreciate that knowing that you're trying your best in front of them to help them to see the shots or to box out the guys in front. I just think it's, it's a bond that I have with those two guys because I played so well and, and hard defensively in front of them. They respect that I'm, I'm doing everything for them to make sure that they, that they thrive playing in goal. makes their job easier, trying to make their job easier, in a sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Then last hockey-related question will be, who is your Stanley Cup favorite this year? Who do you see hoisting the Cup?
1: Ooh. Just based off of the numbers, I think it's going to stay in the Eastern Division. Um, the East has had its way with the West this year. The East is super strong. I like the Atlantic Division. I think it's going to stay in the Atlantic, whether it's Tampa, Boston, or Toronto. That's who I think. I can't pick out of those three, but I think it's going to be one of those three.
0: Any other hobbies or pastimes you enjoy at of the rink?
1: Yeah, I like to golf. Um, I got really big into golf last season playing in Las Vegas because the weather was so nice year round. Um, Was able to play a decent amount, maybe like 10 to 15 times last season. Um, We had a pretty good group of guys that I played with and I do it a few times in the summer just with, with training and skating, it's a little bit more difficult. And then seeing family, I don't golf as much as maybe some guys do in the off season. I like to golf, um, I like to, I like to take care of my body. So working out and just being mindful of, of what you're eating, you're sleeping, whatever else, just trying to set yourself up to be the best athlete that you can. So that's something that I've always been proud of is my work ethic and dedication to the game. And it's, it's allowed me to keep playing hockey and play at the highest levels, whether it's in North America or Europe.
0: Okay. Well, of course, I gotta ask, what's the handicap?
1: Not as good as you think. Uh, <laughs> it's maybe it's maybe a twelve on a good day. So, right around there. I'm uh, I'm notorious for uh, my short game. So we'll do we'll do meters because we play meters in Europe. From 115, 115 meters in to the pin is kind of my my kryptonite. I'm not not as good. So that's one aspect of my game that I need to get better at.
0: Well, then we will head to the last portion of the interview, the fan favorites, the snapshots and the trifecta.
1: Perfect.
0: So first I will throw at you questions with quick succession. So you are going to need to be on your toes for this one. And don't worry, the questions will be along the lines of your favorite movie, pastime, etc. But we need intuitive answers. So time is of the essence here.
1: Sounds good. Are you ready? Let's do it.
0: First one, big hit or a big block? Big hit. Vacation spot that you've never been to but would like to visit?
1: Cabo, Mexico or Mykonos, Greece.
0: Your go-to karaoke song?
1: Right now, it would be probably Jolene by Miley Cyrus. Favorite
0: away arena that you've played in?
1: I would have to say either Montreal, Vancouver or... The Nokia Arena in uh, Tampere.
0: That's a new one. Frozen Four or Quebec International Pee Wee Tournament? Frozen Four. A personal trait that you admire in others? Honesty. If you had to choose a specific goal song for yourself, what would it be? And you can't use the Miles Iris.
1: Can't use that one. Um, it might be a Post Malone rock star.
0: That's a good one. A player that you wouldn't want to fight against. John Scott. If you could meet any athlete, dead or alive, who would it be? I would,
1: I'd like to meet Derek Jeter. Airhorns
0: or cowbells?
1: I would say cowbells, cause we, we had a bunch of those in Waterloo. Memorable.
0: And the last one, your celebrity crush.
1: Margot Robbie.
0: Okay. And then we move to the last section of this interview, the trifecta. So there are going to be three different scenarios and you need to select three of your former or present teammates to be your partner in each category and only okay. one for each. So choose wisely and remember to explain your picks as well. Okay. Understood.
1: Yeah. So you just pick one for every question, but you get three total.
0: Yes, exactly. Okay. The scenarios are first one, two week hiking trip, to Norwegian mountain range. The second one road trip across the States by car. And the last one, your travel guide to Bangkok.
1: So the first one, uh, the two week in Norway, I would have to say, I played with a guy in Springfield and he's actually a good friend of mine. We see each other in the summer times. His name is Jake Horton. He's been very big into backpacking excursions and and stuff like that he's gone to the Tetons in the US and he's playing in France right now and I think he actually just went on a trip so I think that would be my guy as uh he would be my guide and my helper for that um going across the US I would have to go with Thatcher for that he's really good on music and we have really good conversations about Everything in life, not just about hockey. And then travel guide to Bangkok. I actually might take a Finnish guy. I'll go with uh Nicholas Mantipola. Mantipolo. Yeah. yeah. yeah and
0: one. why exactly?
1: Why exactly? Um he's talked about it. He's known a few guys that have gone to Bangkok, and I know he wants to go. So I think he would just be excited he would be as excited as me to go to Bangkok and just to see what it's about.
0: Okay. Well, then it makes sense. But with that, we are done with this week's interview. Thank you, Ian, so much for coming on. It's been a huge pleasure to be able to share your story and get to know you a little bit or actually quite a lot, at least when it comes to your hockey career. But do you have any last words for our listeners before we sign
1: off? Yeah, you got to give. Like, subscribe to uh, Yane, up and coming podcast with uh, some good guests. We just gotta help them with uh, some connects and um, get some Finnish guys to to go on here. So it was it was a great opportunity, and thankful that uh, that we got to collaborate and to do this. It was a lot of fun.
0: You heard the man. And if fans want to follow you on social media, where can they actually find you?
1: Not too active on Twitter. So I think my most active social media would be Instagram. It is Ian underscore macaution12. Not too active in terms of posts, but put some stories up every once in a while and make you giggle. So give us a follow.
0: There you have it. Thank you once again. I wish you the best of luck for the remaining games of this year's campaign.
1: Appreciate it, Yanni. Thanks for your time.
0: What a beauty. Absolute professional from head to toes. And I got to say that it was pretty humbling to hear his story. And especially the part where he reflected upon his days with the national team really hit me because although it's a cliche, it is the truth that sometimes you just can't appreciate things as much as you should right as they happen. And that really got me thinking. But Like I said, I really enjoyed our chat and hope nothing but the best for him going forward. But that will be it for this week. We'll see what next week will bring us. But if you want to show your support for the show, go rate the podcast on Spotify and drop a follow on the podcast IG page at the drop underscore pass. And go check out the other media handles from the description as well. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your time, and hope that you enjoyed another guest episode. Have an awesome week, you beauty. Stay tuned. Stay safe. Until next time. Ora.